0: Ready,
1: set, go. Registration is now open for the Middle States Commission on Higher Education 2023 Annual Conference. It's in Philadelphia, December 4th through 6th, 2023. Setting the standard, transformation through accreditation. You don't wanna miss it. Register now at msche.org. Surprise. We're taking the Edup Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us for an incredible higher education, marketing, and enrollment management conference, February 20th to 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EDUP Experience podcast, where we make education your business. You knew I was going to say it. Dr. Joe Salustio back with you here on another episode. Uh, we are really, really, really pushing hard to see if we can eclipse 350,000 downloads of this podcast by the uh, time uh, Christmas rolls around. I am gonna, we're, we're recording this in October. I have committed to my family that I'm probably gonna take December off from recording. No absolute promises, but I have softly made a promise to my uh, family, and and uh, but I really like it a lot. And Elvin uh, tends to uh, schedule me even when I ask not to be scheduled. So that's the whole thing I got to work out with him. Anyway, you know where we're gonna be coming up. We're gonna be at Middle States Conference for Higher Education in Philadelphia, December 4th through 6th is our next conference we have coming up. Gonna be interacting with some of the folks that have been on this podcast, which I'm excited about. And then in February of 2024, will be at Insights Edu, uh, which will be in Phoenix, uh, put on by Education Dynamics. So we're out there, you guys. In fact, um, Elvin, this is the funny part. For for those of you that uh, follow Elvin and talk to Elvin, he's gonna be in Doha, Qatar. Qatar or Qatar, depends on how you say it. November 25th through 30th. And I'm in middle states December 4th through 6th. So we had to literally divide and conquer to get up global. Uh, to get global ed up uh, out there, which, of course, about 16% of our audience is from uh, out of the United States. So divide and conquer, ladies and gents, to bring you as much ed up as you can handle and probably more than you want. But that's uh, that's, you know, you get to press the play button or not. That's totally up to you. You're going to hit the play button on this episode. I can guarantee you that because I'm bringing back one of my favorite guests of all time back as a guest co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. His name is Dr. Larry Rideau Jr. He's president of Metropolitan Community College, Penn Valley. Larry, what is going on?
0: Everything's good. I am so glad to be back. i missed you. It's been a little while since we conversated, but I'm glad to be here today and look forward to a great conversation today.
1: I'm glad to have you back. And so before we bring in our guest, I want to say you are not in the same spot as a president you were in last time, are you? I'm not. I,
0: you know, I'm within the same district. In fact, I've been president of MCC Maplewoods, which is uh, in North Kansas City for about three years. I just transitioned into a different college within the system. I'm at MCC Penn Valley, which is the eldest uh, community college within our district. It's the largest, got more money, more people, more faculty, more buildings, more community, more of everything. So more work for Larry. That's right. That's right.
1: uh, Is is it true what they say that uh, going to a uh, new presidency within the same system is really a new presidency? It's not just so easy as a transition, is it?
0: There's no doubt about it. In fact, when I converse with people within the district, they're always asking me, how's everything going down at PV? And that's exactly what I say. I'm starting out brand spanking new. And it may take a year, year and a half, maybe two years for me to get my bearings. It's a brand new presidency, everything about it. So, yeah, you're right
1: amazing i love it uh and uh there's no there's a no chance that you're gonna have little work you're gonna have lots of work for a very long time as you help to flip that campus in the right direction and insert your vision another person that's gonna is inserting their vision into an institution is our guest today um she's been waiting patiently as i cycle through to the sound effect to get to bring her on which i left and now i got back here she is ladies and gentlemen Her name is dr nadine gonzalez de jesus she's president of san antonio college nadine how are you
2: hello everyone i am doing great how are you
1: oh i would say uh i used to have a boss that would say if i was doing any better it wouldn't be fair so how do you (laughs) like that
2: i like that i like like that that? yes thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure
1: We're excited to have you. Um, Why don't you level set for us? Tell us um, about San Antonio College. Who do you serve? How do you serve them?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So San Antonio College is um, about 100 years old. We will be 100 in 2025. So we're very excited about that. I also like to say that we serve uh, a little bit over 19,000 of the students that uh, live within our area. They attend SAC or SAC. Um, another thing that you might not know is that the majority of the students who attend our institution, about 80%, of them, they attend fully part-time. And then we have the majority of them, they are female, right? So (coughs) that is good. However, we are growing in the number of the males uh, who are attending our college. I'm happy to say that right now, the way we serve our students is... We make sure that courses we offer, we offer them both in person, online, and and also a mixed uh, approach through a hybrid format. Another thing that we're working on is we are working with uh, the Aspen College Excellence Institute um, in an effort called Unlocking Opportunity. Ooh, tell us more. specifically what it does is that it helps us to align what we offer to the workforce needs of our county. So for example, we're working right now on expanding healthcare, IT, business, and tech, right? Those are the areas right now that we know there are many, many jobs that need to be filled, but in order for them to be filled, we need to provide the employees that the employers in our area will need. So so uh, to unlock opportunity, we want to do two things. We wanna make sure that our students, that they have access to our college. We wanna make sure that our students, they stay and that they pass. We also want to make sure that they complete and that they can transfer. So one of the goals is to ensure successful post-completion outcomes. And we do that uh, first and foremost by ensuring that the students, they complete and transfer and or ensuring that our students get a family sustaining wage, right? So again, we want to make sure that there are jobs that we track the students that we serve to ensure they're getting the jobs that they studied for. So that we're very, very excited um, uh, about the work that we're doing with Aspen right now. That of course um, ensures that we are creating um, the partnerships that we need uh, with our high schools, with our business and industry. We also need to make sure that we're bringing in our advisory boards so that the programs we offer um, are fully in alignment and that we are being intentional in the way we create. Anything that we're going to start, we need to make sure that the courses we offer are fully in alignment with the workforce needs. So that means, of course, we're gonna have to do less of of some things so that we can put the funding in those things that matter at this point in time.
1: Tell them like it is. I uh, wanna ask you about your transition um, from your last position to this presidency. And I think you're gonna hit a year right around January. Ish.
2: That's correct. That's correct. Right,
1: right yes. when Edda becomes four years old, so you know we're, we're, we're going to have a, a close birthday together. Um, what has it been like? If you know, right now, if you had to go back in time and tell your brand new self in January, last January, ten months ago, this is what it's going to be like. What's it? What's it like coming in as new president?
2: What a great question. Um, I actually have not thought of that before, but if I were to see myself again and speak to my old self 10 months ago, I would have said, Nadine, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You will find things that you thought you were never seeing. But guess what? You're seeing those things and you were hired to fix them.
0: Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: and it's going to be okay right so so although we are an aspen prize uh organization uh, we won the aspen prize in 2021 um the data was based uh for about from 3 to 4 years uh ago right so again the data looked well it looked good we had changed our our systems, um, the methods that we apply to serve our students, they had been improved. But now that we won the Aspen Prize, whenever an organization wins anything, uh, there is a feeling of, oh, I am in my comfort zone. I don't need, I don't need to do anything else to to improve or or to continue the journey towards uh, excellence. So, are so- you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. This is exactly what happened, right so so then I I began to I, I came in um uh, earlier this year and one of the things I did was I spent about a hundred days uh, listening in a very intentional way. I wanted to listen to our um our our our, stu- our students, our staff, our partners, our instructors. Um, I really wanted to find out what worked. what is it that they liked? about the college, what could we improve? But then I wanted to find out how are things going, right? Mm -hmm. How are things going right here, right now? And then I was very intentional by making sure that whenever I heard I had um, my listening events that um, I didn't have an an administrator in that room because Mm -hmm. I wanted the folks to be as open as possible right. So then what I did was I then created after the 100 days, I looked at the data at all of the things that were said and uh, we um, we got the themes, right? The main themes and some of those themes were, for example, we need to establish trust. We need to work on accountability. We need to work on making sure that um, we are transparent whenever we're making a decision. Some people are included, others are not. And it doesn't mean you need to include everyone in the decisions that you're making. But what it means is that people need to understand the why is it that we're doing what we're doing, right? They need to understand the reasoning behind the efforts we engage ourselves in. right? So so that was key, making sure people were being included in discussions and at least try to talk about these things ahead of time, many times, more than one time, so that the people that you're working with, um, they have an understanding about the urgency and the why, and then how can we together as a team co-create a future uh, that would work for the students that we serve and the partners that we have in our community. So so um, that is what I did in my first 100 days. Then of course, I created a 100 day uh, report and um, within it, you'll see all of the themes and then areas that I believe the college 'll be able to work on within the next two to three years, right? So again, the intent is that if if we're going to change the climate, if we're going to transform the climate of, of our workspace, we need to work together. So then what I did was, I presented uh, the findings, and then I went to I went back to our staff and I said, I need your help. I cannot do it alone. Mm -hmm. I need you to partner with me. And for that, we need to create a workplace climate transformation task force, right? Mm -hmm. So that we had about 32 uh, who raised their hand and they said, yes, I want to do it. I want to be part of it. But they were a little bit hesitant about it. They really didn't know if it was going to work. They didn't know for, for real. Yeah, yikes, right? They didn't know if it was for real. Um, and um, and I said, this is for real. And you are all going to be working on an action plan mm-hmm. to take us through the next two to three years. We have a lot of things that we need to shake. We have a lot of things that we need to change. But in order for that to happen, the planning cannot come from my office. It needs It needs to be from the ground up. So together, we're going to create a plan that works for all of us. And uh, I kid you not, throughout the summer, our faculty, our staff, and our students, they came together to work on an action plan. They divided themselves into subgroups. And then throughout the summer, they came to the campus in the summertime to work on their workplace climate transformation action plan and then I said okay now the task force has to present their action plan at convocation Mm -hmm. and what I loved about that is that we revealed what the plan would look like right Mm -hmm. and then I said together we're going to co-create the next few years of SAC but Mm -hmm. this needs to be together Right, and for that to happen, you're now going to see the action plan for the first time. And the reason why we're doing that is because we want to get your input. Now we wanted to get the input of the of the rest of the staff, and um, it was great. Uh, it has been received so well. Uh, and what I appreciate the most is that people have changed their mindset, their perspective. They've noticed that yes, this is for real. We're working in this. Together, this is not top down, but from the bottom up. And together, we are developing the systems and the processes that we know are going to be embraced. Why? Because it's coming from the community that works within the college, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone now is working on trust. Everyone now is working on systems. Everyone now is working on accountability from the top down and from the bottom up. And, and, and that is what our students deserve. If we mm-hmm. say that our values are students first, then guess what? In order for our students to be a- able to thrive, Joe, we need to make sure that we're working with the staff and the faculty that are working with our students. Mm-hmm. We need to provide a workspace that is conducive to working, to people to want to come to work. Not only that, but for people to want to do their work and do it well. (coughs) And who do we serve? We serve our students. So that's how you put your students first by putting your employees also first and addressing the needs of your team. Once you do that, you have a winning recipe where the students thrive, your partnership uh, thrive, as well as the staff that
1: works with your students have the opportunity to thrive. Should you register for the Middle States Commission on Higher Education Annual Conference this December 4th through 6th in Philadelphia? 100%. I agree, because the title of the conference is called Setting the Standard, Transformation Through Accreditation. There is no time like the present to explore opportunities in higher education and the future for our students and our business model. Get out and network with your peers this December 4th through 6th at the Middle States Commission on Higher Education Annual Conference. Attention are you ready to elevate your institution's marketing and enrollment strategies join the YetUp experience podcast at the insights edu conference february 20th to 22nd in phoenix arizona don't miss out on this opportunity to hear from engaging speakers from industry-leading companies like google linkedin adobe and higher ed leaders learn the latest marketing and enrollment strategies to grow your programs register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code add up to save $50 off your registration. Attention. Well, I wanna pass it to Larry for the next set of questions, but I gotta tee him up right. And here we
0: go. I love it, I love it. Nadine, I wanna congratulate your institution for earning the Aspen Award. I mean, that's no small feat. And what it tells me is that you all have done a phenomenal job, not just telling your story, but cataloging that story, whereby faculty, staff, and in some cases, students can actually communicate the great things that are going on within your institution. However, I do know, you know, after being a president for three to four years, sometimes uh, governance can be a little tough in terms of realizing or fulfilling the vision that you might have for the institution. How have you kind of worked through some of the hard things with regard to governance within your institution to get to where you are today?
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for us to be inclusive, you need to, first and foremost, work on yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> as
2: yeah. leaders, as leaders, I, I, I think that one of the things that I've learned um, when working for others is that some of the people I reported to, they really... They they wanted to know your 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 input your feedback, mm-hmm. but they really didn't listen. Right. Yeah. One yeah. thing is to hear, and then another thing is to process what is right. being said, and then ask. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, be active as as you listen, um, and and that's one thing that I I've done with myself. I've worked on myself, knowing okay, whatever input you get is mm-hmm. not a personal attack, it is mm-hmm. simply an opportunity for you to explore even more, right? Okay. right. So, so when um, when I went around the campus for my first uh, 100 days, mm-hmm. one of the first things I said was, I understand we have a Senate for our staff, we also have a Senate for our fa- our faculty, and mm-hmm. we also have the Student Government Association, the SGA. Right. But in order for us to work together, I needed to hear the needs of each of those groups. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 when I say to listen, we really needed to listen. Right. Mm-hmm. So I brought a scribe with me. Right. And that scribe, that scribe, he wrote everything that was being said. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to record it because I didn't want people to feel that the recording could go elsewhere, right? Yep. I wanted to establish a safe zone for mm. people to be able to talk about what mattered to them and what they thought needed to change. So so then after that, of course, as I said earlier, we worked on themes, we analyzed what was being said, and then we, we came up with themes out of everything that was said for those first 100 days. And then we use that uh, to then help us create an action plan by the people who also were part of the listening events. So that is part of how you work in in an environment where the voices, um, many times, they compete against each other because their priorities, right? They compete against one another. But then if you can identify the common ground, those common themes that matter to all, Mm -hmm. I think that is a safe space for all of us to start. Let's agree on those things that we believe we need to work on. Let's agree on those things that we all can agree on. And then those things that we cannot agree on we can put them on the side. It doesn't mean we're not going to work on those things. But right, right now, we need some wins, right? right.
0: And bullseye. To...
2: Yes, a bullseye. So yep. in order for us to have those wins, we need to establish a, a, a timeline by which this is what we need to work on. We're going to start on this day. And by this other date, we know we need to complete and assess whether we we set ourselves to do was accomplished or not, right? And right. then of course, right. then you always go back and you and you ask yourself, how did it go? Yeah, did, did right. it work? Was there anything that I could have done in a different way? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and then of course there are other things like uh, the pay, right? Right. The, how we pay the pay rate. Uh, there are other things that were talked about in terms of. The flexibility with comp time or flexibility with um working from home at times, right?
0: Remote,
2: right? remote work, um which after the pan the pandemic, it seems to me that we don't need to go back to being in the office Monday through Friday but we need to come to the office folks. We need to come to the classroom, (laughs) right? Because people are coming to our campuses and they need help, they need assistance. They want to learn, they want to get jobs, right? And in order for that to happen, if they're coming to campus, then we too must be on campus. So -hmm. then we worked on a plan To then establish uh, a uh, a one-day approach in which everyone across the college they had an opportunity to now work with their teams Mm -hmm. and they each can identify one day in which they can work uh, remotely so again that was a win-win right our students win but also our staff uh, wins because now you offer the balance of work life Um, So so those are some of the things that I I did to ensure I was being inclusive. As I said, number one, you gotta work on yourself. If you're gonna lead, you need to understand this is not about you.
1: Mm -hmm. This
2: is not about you, right? This is about the institution. This is about the students that we serve. This is about everything that needs to happen in order for us to remain relevant. Mm
0: -hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. (laughs) <laughs>
2: and then number 2, and then number 2, make sure you're listening well and right. that you're bringing all of the groups that we're working with, all of the the subgroups that are within your teams mm-hmm. and your organization to make sure you're listening well. And then you need to do something with the listening right exactly right that is how they know you're being accountable right Mm -hmm. you're accountable to them they are accountable to you and now it is a reciprocal relationship of accountability where I listen but I also put some things into action so you know that I heard you
0: Nadine I love that you know um, I am really curious to hear a little bit more about your leadership style you know Just talking with you the last 20, 25 minutes, I can tell you're an extremely authentic leader. Authenticity is really important in the work that we actually do. But I'm sure that there are some other incredible traits about you that your people just love about you. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the leadership competencies you feel like you're strong in that you have brought to San Antonio College?
2: Absolutely, thank you for that question. Um, I would have to say that one of the things that I enjoy is I love to work with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear that.
1: <laughs> if you
2: don't like to work with people, higher ed is not the place for you to be, right?
1: Truth, <laughs> right? That's true.
0: Very true.
2: So, so one of the things is uh, be real, be honest, be transparent, be authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember. Um, a few years ago, I said, I want to become a president someday, right? Yeah. Uh, however, I didn't see a lot of people that looked or sounded like me. Mm. I didn't. So then I said, oh my gosh. So during your first few few months, you know, I was feeling a bit um, what is that word? Um in, like an imposter. They call it the imposter yeah. syndrome, right? right. Right. Um. In which you begin to feel insecure, right? Yes. Am, I, am I saying the right things? Do I am am I dressing the 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 part? Yeah. Do yeah. I sound the right way? You know, all those yeah. things. You begin to question yourself. And hmm. then I came to a re- a realization that I am here. I was hired to do a job because I have a set of skills and experiences that not everybody else can bring. Right. Yeah. And I was hired for a reason and a purpose. And, and, and therefore I began to embrace myself and to Mm -hmm. be myself and to not have to worry about how I sounded or how came across and all those other things that we all think about right
0: yes right
2: so now i am proud to be who i am i am proud to to speak with an accent i am proud to to be the 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 human being that that looks like and sounds like the students that we serve right mm-hmm. so authentic- authenticity and transparency right yeah, it's- yeah. For example, when I speak with my senior executive team, one of the things that I I I tell them is, do you agree with this? And then I say, and by the way, you don't have to agree. If you don't agree, let me know that you don't agree, right. and then provide a recommendation.
0: Right? right. Right. Many
2: times for the people that I worked for, they wanted people that always said, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I am not a yes, yes type of person. I want you to tell me, I need you to be open and transparently, honestly, tell me why do you think that's not going to work? And then, but on top of that, you're also going to offer a solution, Right. Good. You're also going to offer Plan B and or Plan C and or Plan D. So, mm-hmm. so the most important thing is to empower the people that you're working with. You need to know who you are. You need to know that you are at the seat that you are because you have something to offer. You need to be as authentic and as transparent as you can be. And then, Endic. at the same time, at the same time, ensure that you empower the people who are working in the organization. If you have vice presidents and deans and chairs, let them be vice presidents, deans, and chairs. You do not need to dictate every single move they're going to make. That's the reason why you hire them. Right. That's the reason right. why they're there. So yep. that you as the president can focus on the strategic elements of your job. Right? Yeah, so, so again, the beauty about being able to lead is 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 to know that you have a team that they've got your back and you have their back
0: exactly 100% so i've got a i've got another quick quick ask of Nadine and uh, Nadine you know when i when i went through the edup experience uh, one of the questions that joe asked me was and i can't remember what i was talking about but he asked me to provide a theme song for what it was I said, or who I am, or whatever it may be. So I'm going to ask you, like, if you had a theme song, you walk out on the stage, what is your theme song?
2: Oh, well, I actually, I did that.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> now, we're we're talking, are, now we're talking, now we're talking.
2: Now we're talking. I looked and looked through through my files, and, and um, when we had our we started the fall term.
1: Mm-hmm. We
2: were going to have our com- our convocation and I said for convocation I want to come in with my theme song.
1: There and then go. I
2: and then I first thought, "Well, put this girl on fire." Right? That's good. But I love said, it. "Wait, wait, wait." But then I heard <laughs> I heard the entire song and I said, "Oh no. I don't I don't like the story of the song." Yeah. yeah.
0: Right, right. But so then, you have to change it up.
2: that's right. Yikes. I'm I changed it up. So, Uh-oh. so we chose happy, happy. I like that one because too. I'm happy.
0: I love that too. Absolutely. So we
2: have to be happy. If the day is not a good day, guess what? We're happy because we are alive. If the day yep. is, is a good day, guess what? We're happy because we're blessed to be alive. Right? Exactly. So, so again, it's about perspective perspective That's is key because the people we're serving, they come with so many issues in cases that, yeah. that if if we were to unpack all of them, right, yep. they are each so intense. Right. And therefore, it's our responsibility as we lead to set up uh, a workspace where people can thrive, the people that we're serving can thrive, where the mm-hmm. workers can thrive. But for that to happen, you need to have You need to approach life in a happy way. You need to approach, you need to embrace life. You need to embrace your job. You need to embrace yourself. And with that comes, of course, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm. We need to be fair to ourselves.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And what do I mean by that? Mm. I need to listen Mm -hmm. to what I preach. If what I tell my team, I need you to rest. I need you to please rest. Mm -hmm. I need you to not respond to emails
0: right
2: am right
1: yep. Yep. i need
2: you to not write emails at 12 am then that means that i cannot send emails at that time or if i'm going to send those emails i need to make sure that they understand my expectation is you're you're not going to answer until your following work day during hey. your work hours right
1: that's so i got to say that is like really important i want to just take a second there because we tend to forget as leaders when we send an email to somebody after hours or in the evening, your employee, especially if it's not the best kind of email is going to be thinking about that all night long. It's going to be affecting their performance the next day. They're going to be worried. There's going to create uncertainty. They're going to talk to their spouse. They're not going to put their kids to bed the right way or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I had a boss that used to email me at four, three, four in the morning saying, when you get up, when you wake up, please send me this report. The anxiety that gave me the uncertainty. I was like, I will never do that. And so there's a, some, one of my mentors says there's no good email. You can't write or receive an email past 9. PM because no good is going to come from it past nine o'clock. You've lost all your cognitive thinking for the, for the night. You're going to send some kind of an emotional email. That's going to send somebody in the wrong direction. That is an email you read and infer all the wrong things from it. And that, right. So we can do a lot of damage with just one line emails at the wrong time as a leader. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's right, Joe. Nadine, you know, go ahead, Joe. No, no, Larry, you go. No, you know, uh, Nadine, you had, I think I heard you correctly in that. You had said that you had a goal of becoming a community college president, right?
2: Yes.
0: And, um, you know, I, I read your bio there at your website, and it looks as if the scarlet thread that runs throughout your career is one of student services, student support. Yes. Throughout your career, did you have any doubts as to whether you could make it? taking that journey through student services, considering that, you know, many folks have traditionally said, you've got to take the academic route. My entire background is student services. So, uh, you know, did you have any doubts or or how did you work to make sure that you acquired, I guess, a more well-rounded type of portfolio to ensure that you can actually arrive at your goal?
2: That's an excellent point. Uh, yes, I actually questioned whether I would ever become the CEO of an institution and the reason for that is because I worked in, stu- in student affairs mm-hmm. throughout my entire life right? right and I said okay how am I going to be as versatile as possible so that when someone looks at, at my CV they see that I have a wealth of experience in various uh, areas mm-hmm. so one of the things that I did I taught online and I also taught in person. So I worked, I worked full time in the daytime as an administrator, but then Mm -hmm. in the evening I would teach a course either in person or online. Right. Mm -hmm. So I made sure that I kept my one foot in the office, but also one foot in the classroom. I also made sure I was part of task forces and work groups that pertain to uh, the office of finance, uh, and financial aid. I also worked in the area of risk and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, health and safety. Yeah. I worked with other groups that were mostly in the areas of the legal aspect of an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, also worked with groups that pertain to working and developing a, cur- a curricula, right? So mm-hmm. again, when, when you're working in an, an in an, In the area of student affairs, you need to make sure that you are intentional about the opportunities that are around you and and become part of that if time allows, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then, of course, my husband then got transferred to the port of Buenos Aires in Argentina and um, he got to work for the U.S. Uh, embassy there. And uh, he said to me, well, I, I put in for the transfer. You said I could do it. Um, and now I got it. And I said, no, you didn't. so he got he got the train really I said and I said oh my goodness I am a vice president of student affairs and you know honey that I've always worked very hard to become a president someday I'm in the middle of my journey you can't do this to me now of course this is after the fact that he supported me all throughout my master's all throughout my PhD and now I am in my fifth job right? right and And then I began to think about it. And I said, wait a second. He gave up so many things in order for him to support me, to get me to where I am. Mm -hmm. Now it's my turn to give in. Right. So I said, okay, why don't you go? You take the kids with you. Mm -hmm. Give me a few months because there's some things that I need to close. Right. There are grants and things that I need to close. And then I'll meet you there. So what I did was I traveled to Argentina for about 10 months one week every month. And I spend that time with my husband and kids mm-hmm. in Argentina. Uh, and then in one of my trips, I noticed that the U.S. Embassy had a post for an officer who mm-hmm. works specifically in education diplomacy. How
0: about Perfect. That- Perfect, right?
2: Outrageous.
0: <laughs>
2: Said, how cool is this? They're looking for someone... Yeah working education, diplomacy. They're looking for you.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, all of that. And I said, okay, what type of education? Is it K through 12? Is it higher ed? And they specifically wanted adult education, higher ed. I said, this is it. So I applied. Of course, the job was supposed to be for an officer. I was not an officer, but I applied because there is, uh, an EPAP, which is Expanded Professional Associates, right? Mm-hmm. So so I could apply as the spouse of an officer. I could mm-hmm. apply as long as you had the education and the experience and all of that. I said, okay, I, I apply. I interviewed and then one month went by, two months went by, three months went by. And mm-hmm. every, every, every time one month went by, I would call them and I, and I would say, hey, um what's the status what's the status so yeah. in one of my last trips uh i believe around my third trip they said oh yes thank you so very much we're actually interested in offering you the position
1: that's great. and here's what she here's great. here's what you said
0: nobody can do that like
1: me
2: that's right like <laughs> me like me baby
0: like- i had to work that one in good. Sorry, guys. that's good
1: <laughs>
2: So then I, I, I got I got that job and I'm telling you, Larry, it opened up my windows of opportunity and also yeah. my eyes as yeah. to the magnificent world of foreign affairs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Education, diplomacy gave wow. me the edge that nobody else had when applying for a CEO job, right? If you wanted to become a president, God said, don't worry, Nadine, I have the perfect opportunity for you. You Uh, just have to give in a little, support uh, your husband, be with your kids, be the wife, be the mother that you need to be. And as you're doing that, I'm also going to give you the opportunity to work full-time at the U.S. Embassy. And that's what happened. That's what happened. A bit of faith and a bit of resilience yes. uh, throughout yeah. the process.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah, yeah I want to, Nadine, in the interest of time, I, uh, I want to close us out. We have two questions to really end every episode. I'm going to ask you to work something in for me on one of these questions. Um, but the first one, take, take right now, what else do you want to say about San Antonio College? Open mic. Mm -hmm. San
2: Antonio College is the college of the community, we love the people that we work with, we love our students, everyone here has a passion to serve to teach and also to see that every person that comes through our doors, they experience successful post completion outcomes, we are the college that continues to be at the vanguard of education innovation and accessibility.
1: Well said, love that. Uh, So the last question is, what do you see for the future of higher education? And I would like you to work in how that relates to first-generation students like yourself, because I know you are first-gen students. So when we talk about Mm -hmm. the future of higher ed and the promise of education, what you know is in um, disarray right now college doesn't have value, don't get a degree, all this narrative. What does the future of higher education look like for first-gen students, for students in general?
2: Absolutely. Um, for first-gen students and for and for anyone uh, that wants to pursue a higher education, the future looks bright. And here's the reason why. We know that right now I can go to YouTube and learn a skill set and get a job based on that skill set. However, I will be competing against those who had an education, Mm -hmm. right? So although an employer might tell you, you don't need to go to college, I'll train you, I'll give you the job, I'll give you the money for you to learn and you get paid as you learn, that's fine and dandy. However, when you look closely, job descriptions, Many times, I, I would say about 95% of those times, they have a requirement of education. So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is, according to research, the more education you have, the greater mm-hmm. the opportunities for you to receive a family-sustaining wage, right? Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? In order for us to ensure that students like me and students like you and any other first gen have access. We need to make sure we take the college to where the community lives. Yes. And that is something that I'm working right now with my team. We're no longer going to wait for students to come to us. We're mm-hmm. going to the high schools. We're going to the, mid, to the um, middle schools. We're mm-hmm. working with the parents, okay? We're also going to centers and agencies to a lot of churches and libraries. Why? Because we want to go to where the community is. If that is Mm -hmm. to teach a class, you want us to go to your center. And that is where we're doing the ESL course. And guess what? That is where we will do the ESL course. If that is where you want us to teach the business course, that is where we'll teach the Mm -hmm. business course. Right now we are, we continue to evolve so that we're meeting the needs. We have to be intentional and in order for higher ed to survive, the mindset that education is not important or that college is not important, we need to remain relevant. And that means our faculty and our staff, we need to continue to receive the training and the development that we need so that we can stay on top of technology and on top of the changes that are going on right now in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, then guess what? Our students are then going to learn things that are old and that are no longer as relevant as we thought they would be. So okay. we need to remain at the forefront of research, at the forefront of service, at the forefront of innovation. And mm-hmm. we also, in doing that, we take the college to where the community is.
0: Wow.
1: Larry, first time guest co host What'd you think of this episode?
0: I thought it was phenomenal. I can't wait for people to hear this. Uh me, she me she she's a visionary, she's engaging. San Antonio College is lucky to have her. I hope that I have a new brand new colleague for the future. And uh you do, Larry. I, I do. <laughs> and and I'm just glad that uh we've got these type of caring people about our local communities, such as Nadine. So Nadine, brilliant job today. And uh Larry, education is lucky to have you.
2: Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here and to speak with you and Joe. Joe, thank you so much for being so persistent. I know you emailed our team so many times and uh,
1: that's fun- Elvin that does all that he's he's the he's the annoying <laughs> one emailing you guys all the time. I'm the fun one that gets okay. to do this. So take it on on him, you know.
2: Thank you guys. Thank you so much. No, thank
1: you. So I want to outro you guys the right way because you come in one way. We got to let you go the right way. I'll make sure, uh, Nadine, if you ever come back on this uh, episode, I'll have happy uh, for you as your intro music, but this time I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, my amazing guest co-host, he's one of the best. He's Dr. Larry Rideau. He is the president of Metropolitan Community College, Penn Valley. Larry, congratulations on your new role, man, and thanks for coming and hanging out with me.
0: Thanks, Joe. And I want to appreciate you for your great leadership as well. You do a yeoman's job, a lot of great work, and your deposit in education is just, it's just—it's huge. So thank, thank you so you, much. Thank
1: you, man. Yep. Appreciate that. Appreciate yep. you very much. Well, you know you have an open invitation to come hang out with me anytime you want.
0: Appreciate that, my friend.
1: Thank Someone you. I hope to see on the other side of the mic soon after her episode comes out is my guest today. Uh, to say that she's a dynamic speaker would be the understatement of the year in my opinion she's amazing ladies and gentlemen here she is dr nadine gonzalez de jesus she's the president of san antonio college and one person you better watch out for nadine did you have a good time today
2: I had a great time. Thank you so much to both of you. This was amazing. Hey, and I'm hoping to be able to come back and and be the interviewer next time. That's
1: right. That's right. You get to grill somebody instead of getting grilled all this time. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed upped. Oh uh, yeah. The Middle States Commission on Higher Education 2023 annual conference is in Philadelphia, December 4th through 6th. Setting the standard, transformation through accreditation. Remember, only you can create transformation through networking, knowledge sharing, opportunity, leadership, service, learning, and accreditation. And you'll do all those things at the Middle States Commission on Higher Education annual conference this December, 4th through 6th. Can't wait to be there. EdUp will be there. There's going to be over 1,300 attendees, presidents, provosts. The networking opportunities are off the chain. Register now at msche.org. Oh, yeah. Attention, higher ed marketing and enrollment management professionals. We are taking the Edip Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us at Insights EDU on February 20th to 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Gain insight into the latest higher education trends and cutting edge marketing strategies that'll take your institution's enrollment to a whole new level. This is your opportunity to connect with higher education leaders and marketing experts from across the country. Comprehensive presentations, engaging panel discussions, and more. Insights EDU will equip you to position your institution for growth. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Can you afford to miss this conference?
0: I don't think so.